Welcome to the Home Inspired Podcast, where we discover the power and potential of home. Journey with a community of kingdom-minded moms as we look at the micro-nation of home and the world-changing possibilities within our own four walls. Well, welcome back to Home Inspired Podcast. Um, I am joined today with my friend Carolyn Allen, whose family has blessed my walk with God for a very long time. Her, I want to say, nephew, right? Uh, Ryan was a mentor of mine in Lawrence for many years. And now her brother is an elder (laughs) at our church and uh, has given us so much wisdom and counsel over the years. And we have really enjoyed um, getting to know Carolyn and her husband, Ron, um, periodically as we've traveled cross country, we'll stop and say hi and um, spend a night or two at their home. And they've just blessed us um, with their wisdom, hospitality, um, just, just, their, just their lives. And so um, I'm excited to share this friend with you guys today. And um, so Carolyn, I, you know, I don't know you all that well. I would love to know just your story and how you came to know the Lord. Um, just, um, I know that you guys have been in ministry for a very long time and, you know, how did, how did that happen? And then, um, you know, just about more about your family and um, when you started having kids, how many kids you have, all of that. So that's a lot but go. That is a lot. That's a lot of story. Well, thank you so much for inviting. It's a delight to be with you today. Well, I think one of the first things that uh, I'd say I was born into a minister's family. So you think, oh boy, you didn't have a chance, huh? Uh, (laughs) But the thing, it was kind of unique because uh, it was my mother who was a minister, not my dad. And so there were a lot of challenges that uh, we faced um, not everyone in the church culture or in society was ready to accept a, a, a woman in the pulpit. And my dad faced a lot of jokes and things like that, that made us kids kind of step back and go, Whoa, you know? Um, but uh, I don't remember a particular time. I'm one of those people that I don't, I don't have the date and the time and the hour, you know, when uh, I accepted Jesus as my savior, but I can't remember a time when I, I haven't loved Jesus. And uh, us kids used to play Sunday school at home and somebody would be the preacher and somebody would be the song leader, you know, and somebody would always have to be the person that was supposed to get saved and all that kind of stuff. So I have fond memories of those kinds of meetings. And I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't get saved at one of those (laughs) altar calls when we were little kids playing at church and Sunday school. But I remember several times where there were different experiences in my life when I um, real had a deeper realization that Jesus really loves me mm-hmm. and uh, that there uh, it began a transforming work in my life that was different than just uh, knowing in my head. Yes, Jesus is the son of God. He came, he died for me and I believe him, you know? Um, so those are, are kind of seared into my memory. One of the times was when we were pastoring a church in uh, Texas 
I used to sit and play the keyboard before church and I'd never plan out a set. I just played whatever came to my mind. And all of a sudden I listened to what I was playing and I was playing Jesus loves me. This I know. Mm-hmm. And something deep down inside of me just rose up and started coming. Out, and I started bawling so hard. I could hardly play the, the rest of the wow. uh, songs that I needed to play. And when I went and sat down, when, when it was time for church to start, I bawled all the way through that service. Just it, it just was such a warm feeling in my heart of knowing Jesus was right there, but he was there for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, someone can walk up to you and say, Jesus loves you. And you go, yeah, I know. Yeah. But that was one of those times that I'd been having some people come to me and say, Carolyn, Jesus wants you to know he really loves you. And I go, yeah, 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 I yeah, know. Well, when I had that experience, it's like, oh, yeah, he loves me, Carolyn Ruth. Mm-hmm. And it just uh, melted my heart. And that began a, a deeper journey with my relationship of knowing Christ. So, I mean, that didn't come till I was an adult, well into my adult years. Yeah. So um, I, I'm just thankful for the heritage that I have, even though some of those experiences as a child uh, watching the struggles and the pain that my mom and dad went through, um, doing what they knew that the Lord had called them to do. But nevertheless, as a, a youngster, you kind of think sometimes, well, I'm never going to let that happen to me. You know, some of those that you have to repent of later, <laughs> some of those vows you make, you know. Yeah. So I, I at, uh, when I was a uh, junior in high school or maybe a sophomore, I was in a girls trio that went to a summer camp to be their special music for the week. And at one of the evening services, there was an altar call. And I felt like the Lord had asked me, he said, Carolyn, would you be a pastor for me? Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of took me back. I was like, Oh, I, and I had quite a conversation with him and I brought some of those issues up that I, that I had just explained to you. That's like, well, I don't want to have to go through the things my mom went through. And and, and in the course of that evening, I had just a really good talk with the Lord about this whole issue and dynamic. And it, it became an issue for me of, am I going to surrender my will sure. I, and uh, do what Jesus is asking me to? And at the end of the evening, I, did, I said, yes, I'll be a pastor. But I had an inkling even then that it was not going to look like what my mom did, mm-hmm. that it would, it would have some different facets to it. And sometimes, you know, when we, we have a culture in the church when we say, oh, you're a pastor, you're a teacher, you're an elder. You're, we have a box to put the, uh, the function of that in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not very much of a box person. Uh, Ron and I have lived our lives kind of breaking down those uh, walls of boxes. Um, and sure enough, the, it led me to a lot of different ways of pastoring that my mom never delved into. Um, I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of counseling, um, uh, one-on-one with people, mentoring, discipling, and it's just been a very, very rich life for me. So uh, that's where we are. Ron and I, we were actually, he remembers when I was seven, he lived down the street. Did we talk back then? Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> he was, uh, he lived down the street from my aunt and uncle. So when we would go to visit my aunt and uncle, all the kids in the neighborhood played together. Well, he remembers taking a BB gun and shooting me with that BB gun. 
<laughs> and my cousin was, she was like the, she'd watch over everybody, you know, and, and uh, take on our, our cause for us. And she, she got after him and chased him up a tree. And, uh, but he has that memory. I have no memory of that whatsoever. But he says, when he tells people, when did you meet Carolyn? He remembers when I was seven. He shot me with a BB gun. <laughs> he thinks that was the beginning of our romance. <laughs> but I like a love arrow or something. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. I don't know. I think it's probably because I was a redhead. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, he likes redheads. And uh, so I, when I went to college, there was a uh, Bible college in the town where he left a Quaker, uh, which is what I re- was raised a Quaker. And uh, so I went to that college and we had our first date that first year. And then that next summer we were married. So it was a quick uh, wow. romance. Yeah. 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 So from there, it was, I, I've lived uh, all over the place. I've lived in Kansas and Colorado and Nebraska and Indiana and Ohio and Oregon and Texas and back in Indiana now. So wow. I've lived in the house we live in now for 13 years. And it's the longest I've lived in any one house my whole life. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this is something else. Lord, do I get to stay here till you bring me to heaven? I don't know what that's going to be like, but well, that remains to be seen. We're blessed with two children, five grandchildren, and uh, they all live in this area. So we get to see them often. Oh, that's great. We were remarking the other day, we had a Mother's Day lunch and everyone was there. We got everybody's schedules uh, to you know coincide. And Ron looked around the table and says, do you all realize everyone around this table has their own car? And we're like, that's, you know, grandkids, everybody. And we were like, whoa, how did we get to this stage? <laughs> uh, our two youngest uh, grandkids are 16. So they got their cars, their licenses and all that kind of good stuff. So it just triples and, and multiplies the number of prayers grandma and grandpa get to pray. <laughs> that's what that does for us. So. Ron and I enjoyed uh, working together. We have different styles. We're different personalities, different gifts and anointings. So we've had to learn how to work together um, and how to, um, shall I say, retain and maintain our individuality and our uniqueness mm. and how that fits together for what we've done. We've worked, it'll be 54 years this summer that we've been married and we've been in ministry the whole time. So ups and downs and you know, mountains and valleys and all that kind of good stuff, you can imagine. But uh, yeah. we love each other more every day mm. through it all. So, Carolyn, just I want to ask you something about what you just said, because mm-hmm. I think that's really challenging for some people. And I, it's been challenging for me. Um, you said maintain your individuality Um while you work together with your husband and um I guess you know I mean I would love for you to speak to that because I um you know I feel like in with motherhood there's just these different seasons where it's kind of like everything's laid down you know I mean you just it's I'm at your beck and call you know and so then so then there's these like moments when you might have more free time where I mean truly I'm like wait where did I go like who am I you know like do I know who I am anymore because it's just been everyone else's demand and so um 
I'm just curious how you have navigated. Um, I mean, obviously there's those transitions that, you know, it's like you, you become more and more freed up over time. You know, you're not like tethered so much to the kids, but um, yeah, just like how, how have you guys supported one another in terms of your own individual callings and yet maintained that like sense of oneness as a family? Yeah. Well, it doesn't happen overnight. I, I can tell you that because Ron and I are so different in, in our, our personalities. And uh, I, I tend to be the person who sits back and waits until someone asks me and he's just all over it and right there and in it and everything. So it took me a lot of years to learn how um, I have a voice and some of the things that I have to contribute are important in a different way. And I don't have to sound like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he's always been my biggest supporter and encourager. Yeah. Uh, he, he's always believed more for me than I have been able to for myself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came, I think, in learning how in our marriage, uh, we had a lot to begin with. We had communication issues. That, that was a stage of life, you know, in a season in our culture. We didn't learn about how to communicate, we, that we were never taught that. And yeah. um, we came together. I had some wounds, some childhood wounds um, that I didn't know I had been sexually abused. And I didn't start realizing that didn't have flashbacks until I was about 35 years old. Well, that, why was I reacting? I had, I, you know, I'd get angry, emotional, get depressed, whatever. And Ron's mom had some challenges with uh, her um, stability and, and her mental capabilities. And he had been abused like physically as a child. So he came with an attitude about women that were emotional and, you know, up and down and all around. And I came with an attitude, although I didn't know it, towards men and not being able to trust. So learning how to communicate for us was a, um, a huge deal. And uh, and we were very blessed to have people speak into our lives. And uh, I think the first um, time some of that became where the rubber meets road was that a marriage encounter. And we learned how to communicate by writing out our issues and then sharing because it it slowed Ron down and it sped me up. Uh, And learning how to say, you can have disagreements with each other and, um, maintain relationship and integrity and to me growing up in our household it was like if you have disagreements it's like well if somebody's always going to be right somebody's always going to be wrong and I felt like I was always the one that was wrong (laughs) it was just the you know so those kinds of things uh, communication is a huge thing and I think if we don't work on that and learn how to communicate learn what, what we're thinking first of all what we're feeling and then that's causing the behaviors that we're living out and acting out in our relationships. So if we don't know that when we're trying to be unique individuals and work together as a team, we're in trouble already. So we've had a lot of things to work through and uh, just uh, arrive at a, oh, that's what you do. This is what I do. You're good at that. I'm good at this. And let's relax and, and realize uh, and let each other play to their strengths. Yeah. So it's it's been a, a lot. Uh, it, 
well, really a lifetime of learning how to do that to maintain and work on your relationship. But at the heart of it has been communication, learning how to communicate. And it was a difficult thing for me to um, learn to share how I was feeling and why I was feeling what I was feeling. That's a key component to being able to communicate in a healthy way to where you can uh, take criticism, input, and not feel threatened by it. Mm -hmm. You're working together in ministry. You're going to have times when it's just there's going to be, you need that feedback. And uh, so how do you have, find the time to do all that and run a church and a staff and, you know, most of the, we call them kids now, they're probably your age that are, have, we've handed over the major leadership of the church to, and uh, they'll watch us have discussions, robust dialogue and go, oh, come on everybody, mom and dad are at it, <laughs> you know? And uh, we just laugh about it because they need to know how to deal with um, disagreement, how, how to deal with life as it, as it goes. And um, it's going to be a joy. So it ends up making everybody laugh. You realize this, this is how we do life together. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you said is important to remember is that we do live our life in seasons. Mm-hmm. And at the stage you are with your little ones, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm going to be here forever. And I'm so tired. I can't do anything else. I'd re- I remember when our kids were little, Ron would say to me, well, here, he'd give me a book to read or whatever. Well, I'm an avid reader. I love reading. But I'm telling you, by the time I would get to a, a book, you know, I, I had my eyes asleep and I was close. I was snoring, or, you know, uh, you just can't do everything. Right. And um, for me, this is what I wish I would have known then <laughs> was mm-hmm. to learn how uh, to think about that season that we're in mm-hmm. and get what God is thinking about us in that season and our assignment in that season and agree with him and relax about the rest. So good. And the other thing you said that was really key is, do I know who I am? Sometimes you lose that. And that is something I want to encourage everyone. I really encourage people to ask Jesus this question. When you decided that you wanted a Naomi, a Carolyn, what did you have in mind? What did you see? And I'm not talking about the things that he was going to have you do. The things that you are to be, who you are as a person, your character qualities. He had a happy thought before the foundation of the world. He said, I want a Naomi. What was he seeing? So I, Mm -hmm. I encourage people to ask him that question and get that settled. And then from there, out of that the uh, particular character and the personality that he's created, what is he doing through you? And that will answer you because then you have a grid. You know what to say yes to, what to say no to. And if you keep asking, you you know who it is he's made you to be at different seasons, he will be who he wants to be through you in different ways for different people. Mm -hmm. So it allows the person to relax well, this is my season. And it's not a bad season. It may not be your favorite one. But, and there are parts of, of every season that you want to pick and choose. Oh, I like this, but I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Well, there is something to be said about perseverance and persistence in the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. With a good attitude. Right. 
Yeah. Godliness yeah. plus contentment is great gain, right? Yeah. yeah. But in order to do that, we have to have his mindset. Yeah. So yeah. I have wisdom, right? Yeah. yeah. And we have to learn, we have to remember to ask him. I mean, we get uh, transformed how? How does Romans tell us? By the renewing of our mind. Yeah. yeah. So be in the, you got to stick in the word, even if you get a snippet for the day. Mm-hmm. And if you have a question for him, it's like, what, you know, what are we doing today? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, it's the only thing I'm good for is to bake cakes for other people and change diapers and, you know, that whole scenario. And there's no time left for me. Well, here's a good, better question to ask you and say, what do you want to do through me today as I'm doing the tasks that are my assignment? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he wants to be something all the time for us. And he is. Mm-hmm. You, uh, so this is because to me, okay, just hearing you talk and I have my own journey with this, but um, how did you how did you come to be confident that you were hearing him speak? Uh-uh. Well, we want to test it uh, through the word for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, can we find a biblical story or uh, a principle that's in uh, the scriptures? We can talk to people who know and love mm-hmm. Jesus and, and know and love us and run things by them especially when we're not sure, did I hear God correctly? Uh, One of the things I realized, I don't know, many years ago, I was in the um, counseling or the ministry room with someone, and I would always like, well, what if I'm leading them astray, or what if I'm not hearing correct, or, you know, and uh, the Lord really spoke to me. Um, He said, you know, Carolyn, you've devoted your whole life to me. You love me. at different times you've trusted me more than others but he said you know i want you when you step in you pray before you begin a session with someone or before you begin your day and i want you to trust that i am working through you in every way you've been filling your mind with the scriptures filling your heart your heart's turned towards me. You're here on the behalf of some, another person now. Trust me that what comes into your mind is for this other person. Yeah. Now, it becomes obvious. I mean, we learn that the, there's a scripture that says to um, be aware, be alert, on the alert for how the enemy wants to rob us. Um, and every once in a while, a thought will come through. As you know, this outside absolutely not God, you know, like tell that person they're stupid or something, you know. (laughs) I was like, I don't think I'll do that one. (laughs) And uh, so I started just believing, okay, even though I, in that moment, I don't say, what do you want to say, Jesus? What do you, you know, what do you want me to do? Is that when something comes and I have a, I move by intuition a lot Mm -hmm. and I just move and do it. Mm -hmm. And um, then you look at the fruit. Mm. Okay. Was the fruit good? Did it connect the person to Jesus? Is, is Jesus more real to them? Do they feel his presence? Do they know his presence? Do they know him? Those kinds of things then help build your confidence level that the next time that you think you've heard something, you move and act as if you had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you see the result. Mm. 
So to me, it's not like, okay, I'm never going to do anything until I am just hundred percent sure. He says, you have to move. Um, we had our, one of our spiritual fathers, John Wimber, came to visit us when we lived in Houston one time and we went over to NASA and he stood there and looked at where they had one of these uh, rockets on, on a, a pad and he stood there for the longest time looking at him. He said, what are you thinking, John? He's like, you know, the guidance system does not kick in until this is fired off of the pad. Sometimes you have to just get yourself off and start moving before you get the direction and the movement for the next step, the next word, you know, whatever you're, you're involved in. And that has stuck with me so many times. It's like, I can't be so reticent and fearful. One of the things is, is fear is not from God. So I always say, so, well, that doesn't belong here. So I'm going to move. And God will correct me and guide me along the way. And sometimes I make mistakes and I go, oh, that really wasn't God, was it? Yeah. We just have to learn to not take ourselves too seriously and not keep saying to people, well, God said. Well, <laughs> well, you know, that's a trump card as far as we're concerned. Yeah, right. If God said to you, then you better go do it and pay every price you can pay to, to go do what he said to do. Right, yeah. Uh, so we, we're careful. It's like we think we're sensing that God is saying and leading is I'm, I'm hearing this and sensing this for you, but in the middle of the counseling stuff or the prayer ministry room that I'm in, um, I just believe God's there with me because we've asked him. Yeah. He's good to his children. He doesn't not going to give us something that we didn't ask for. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I, another thing that's really helped me is to know, um, be, uh, how do I phrase this? There's a dynamic in the Christian life to get the Galatians 2.20. We have an exchanged life. Mm-hmm. It's no longer Carolyn who's living. It's Jesus living in and for and through me. So when I adopt that and I find out what that means and I actually apply that to my life, I have to believe that Jesus is saying things through me to people. Uh, that it's not my idea, especially when I have submitted to him and say, I need your help, Holy Spirit. What do you want to say and do now? Because mm-hmm. you hear some pretty horrific things within ministering to people. I personally wouldn't have a clue what to do with it. Yeah. But Jesus knows. He always knows. Yeah. So confidence and faith that I'm hearing God, part of it is a, an initial step of saying, I'm going to trust you, even when I don't feel like it. You know, because we don't walk according to our feelings, but, and then I'm just going to step out yeah. and then I'm always willing to test the fruit. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't go quite so well, I have to say, you know, I missed it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Do you, when you were uh, sharing about seeking God for who he imagined you to be before the foundation of the world, do you find that? you over the years have gotten more and more clarity as you stepped out or or do you find that um uh you needed like a real clear definition and then you started moving you know do you know what i'm saying yeah i do uh again it's a journey right it's um and yes the revelation keeps coming 
I'm 72 and I'm still, I find new facets of what God is wanting to do through me. And uh, it's just a revelation, I think, that comes as uh, we can learn to relax and allow him to be who it is he wants to be through us that I don't have to be. So like, just give me a step one, two, three, four, and I'll be okay. Yeah. You know, and he's just like, well, that's not quite how the Holy Spirit likes to work. And you're submitted to to him, you know? Uh, So um, yes, I, it's not been until the last few years. I mean, I could, I've always felt like, because Ron and I are, um, have used quite a bit with in church planning and uh, and moving out pioneering works. And I've always felt like I have been in the position of being a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Because you do, you have to do everything till you find someone that that's really where they fit, plug them in, train them, whatever. And that frustrated me for the longest time because I'm thinking, I want to get really good at one thing and, you know, be good at that one thing. And um, one time he said to me, he says, um, well, Carolyn, what if that is your calling to be a jack of all trades? Well, that was for that season for the longest time. But now as we've developed teams and we're in a different season of our lives where we're really handing the baton off in major ways, uh, I have been able to focus on, I have passions. Yeah. And what are my passions? See, so I've been able to really narrow it down to where I mostly what I, I focus in on is pastoral care mm-hmm. at this point in my life. And I absolutely, you know, it, it, it just causes my spirit to leap when I'm in the ministry room and the light bulb comes on for someone and they get unstuck from a place they've been in in years, even though they've known the Lord for a long time. So that comes in stages, I think, uh, and being willing to not feel like you have to be everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. or get put in a box, which is even worse. You know, when we got married, well, you're the pastor's wife, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that hurts <laughs> me to no end. Oh, yeah, I bet it there, well, there's no calling in the Bible called the pastor's wife. Right, right. I mean, there's, it, I, do we call people the engineer's wife and the so on? <laughs> you know, it just, this is like, so I, I but in an, another sense, it became a place for me to hide behind. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn to not hide behind that because I had some things that were unique for me. Now, I was always involved in music because I play keyboard. Thankfully, I did because when you're a pastor's wife, you're supposed to play that keyboard, you know, or the organ <laughs> or or pray at the Missionary Society ladies things and all that kind of stuff. And Ron has always protected me from it. I've been involved with the worship because that's what I love to do. Not because I'm attached to Ron. And we had to learn early on that there was a difference. And he set me free from the expectations of people. So no, she's not doing that. Well, why not? Because that's not her. And I'm not going to make her do it. And it caused some problems for him, you know, some disagreements with church boards and what have you. Um, but that was a beginning point for too, when he would stand up for me and say, you, if you don't want to do that, it's not just don't want to, it's just like, that's not my thing. I'm not good at it. And, uh, don't put me in a box. Yeah. Uh, it was a beginning of a thing to, for me to be able to say, 
I got to find out what my passion is. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it took me quite a few years to find out what that was. Would you say that that is, because that was part of my, my next question, um, just about fruitfulness in ministry. I, I think of you as like, just having kind of continual fruitfulness in your life, like, you know, kind of in every way, but which is really remarkable, but um, just like, what would you say? And I feel like a lot of this conversation has already spoken to this, but what would you say are some of the keys to fruitfulness um, like over the long haul? Well, I, I can't pinpoint when Ron first started teaching this, but one of his favorite chapters in the Bible is John 15, mm-hmm. all about abiding in the vine. And he has taught this for so many years. It's been part of our lives and how we face what we do. Is that the secret to life is bearing fruit. The secret to bearing fruit is abiding in Christ, which I alluded to a little while. The secret to abiding is um, loving. Secret to loving is obeying. Secret to obeying is knowing. And if you read through that chapter and those uh, kind of um, that progression, it's not necessarily step one, two, three, four, five, but it's all those. And it's become probably in the last, I would say, 10 years in, in my journey, the Lord's really been focusing on the in Christ. And it is an amazing journey in the Bible to go through the epistles and I circled every in Christ and the provisions that are with that and the reality of that was just earth shattering for me. This is an amazing truth that could set me free from all of the performance orientation stuff, you know, the pressure from society, the pressure from church, people, expectations, just to to learn what it means to be in Christ and and to have Christ in me. Mm-hmm. So that secret to bearing fruit, which is for every believer, yeah. uh, is abiding, staying, dwelling, living in Christ. It's like not, okay, on Sunday morning, okay, I'll step into Christ. Or when I go into the ministry room, I'll step into Christ. It's no. When I'm sitting at home at my desk, when I'm working with my children, when Ron and I are having a robust dialogue, <laughs> I have to remember, I am a person who is who has exchanged my life for the life of Christ. And he is in me and he wants to be something in this moment, in the most distressful moments, he wants to be someone for me. Mm. And he wants to be someone not only for me, but the person that's right in front of me. Yeah. And that has been, a, it is a discipline. Um, to me, that's what they called the process of sanctification. It's a journey. It's, it's I, I was made holy. I am holy because he says, yeah, and I am becoming holy. Yeah. I was made a saint. I am a saint. I am becoming a saint. Yeah. It's all of those dynamics. It's so the fruit bearing thing for me, the, the main key for us over all these years and the ability to stay in ministry as long as we have has to uh, the dynamic of this is all about Jesus. It's not about us. Mm. Abide in him. Mm-hmm. And that, Abiding involves that uh, knowing, obeying, certainly, 
Sure. You, should, you talked, we talked a little bit ago about hearing God. It, yeah. That whole concept of that Hebrew word, when you hear God, that means you obey God. You don't separate those two. So uh, that, that to me, in a nutshell, is uh, the secret to bearing fruit and, and to be able to persevere. I mean, Ron was thinking about his seminary class the other day. And out of all the, uh, it was an evangelical seminary, a Quaker seminary. And there's only uh, two people, two of them left in ministry and only one that believes Jesus is the son of God. Wow. And that's him? That's or him. Is he the only so, one? Yeah. So the rest of them burned out, went somewhere. I mean, it, it's, it's a tough road. If yeah. you don't know that you have the call and you don't allow Jesus to transform you and change you into the, his likeness along the road, because it is, uh, you know, you eat a lot of humble pie along the way. <laughs> I'm sure. So I think to answer your question in a nutshell, it's, it's abiding, learning how to be in Christ. Yeah. John 15, and I, I, I put, like I say, probably the last 10 years, I've really uh, honed in on what does that mean? How do I live an exchanged life? How do I stay in that state, in that position? Because in is a word that means you're in a state of being. Yeah. So I am in Christ. I don't move in and out. It becomes my nature. How does Jesus become your nature? Mm. And that excited to me, that's exciting to think about. Yeah. Because there's some days I'm just not liking. <laughs> I'm like, what's up with that? <laughs> how do you how do you recover from a time when you're not like him? When, what, <laughs> how do you what do you do? Well, I used to go into a, I don't know if it would call it a pout, but a depression. I was like, man, what's wrong with me? I'm such a dunce, you know. I mean, I, I would be down, shame condemnation, false guilt, and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm, I learn to say, you know what? I'm on a journey. God loves process. Mm -hmm. So he's not unhappy with me. Yeah. I do sin sometimes, but there's a good remedy for sin. And it takes about 30 seconds most of the time. First John 1, 9. Confession. Confession. Just agree with him. Don't try to, art, you know, say, oh, and rationalize it out yeah. Point like I sinned, I am so sorry. Now, what are we going to think? What do you want me to do now? Yeah. Because he forgives and he cleanses. Yeah. That that passage, it took me a long time to, to even see that word and cleanses. Mm. Washed clean. Mm. It's no longer there. And forgiveness means it's gone. Yeah. Clean slate. So I don't have to punish myself. I don't have to live in a state of condemnation and fear and shame. I can just say, I am so sorry, Jesus. I didn't let you be here for me. I acted sinfully. And sometimes I have to ask, and it's mostly Ron most of the time, please forgive me. <laughs> I was not being very kind or patient right then. Mm -hmm. And and move on. Yes, right. Move on. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are what? Here's another in. Christ phrase. So he doesn't intend for us to beat ourselves up every time we do something wrong. He just wants us to recognize we're on the journey. He's with us. I'm sorry. I recognize it. Would you please forgive me? Listen to him say whatever he says. 
to you in the way that he says it. He says that, by the way, to a lot of people in different ways. Mm. Sometimes he'll say, uh, well, of course I do. Sometimes people hear a song that means something to them. Sometimes they'll see a picture. Mm. But the thing of it is that once we have a head knowledge, well, of course he forgives me. We, we know that in the Bible. When we ask, he forgives. What's it do to your feeling? What does it do to your heart? And if you can connect the head and the heart, then you have an experience that you can apply it to your life with. Mm, so that's how I move on now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, I have another question about that. But okay. I, um, I, I had a bad morning with my daughter this morning. And mm -hmm. uh, I she ramped up. She got real angry because her brother stole her chair. You know, the end of the world yeah and um and i got mad because she was getting mad <laughs> and um and i was like and so and it, it her brother ended up giving her her the chair and i was like oh great so now she's getting what she wants because she had a fit like that's not very exciting to me to think about and i was like and I was kind of saying things like, you need to say thank you, you know, and I mean, it was just like, it, it was just not a good dynamic. It was, it was not good. And I could tell that it was affecting her. And I felt so bad because I know that she is very sensitive to me, you know, and like how I'm, how I am with her. Like if I'm, so I was, I dropped her off of school and I've been like recovering from that, you know, for, mm -hmm. for the morning. And I was reading about um, the uh, the cross actually, and the and the resurrection. I was just in John reading that, and um, I felt like the Lord said to me, Naomi, I didn't go to the cross and then like go, you know, ha establish a mercy seat on you know on my own, it, you know, in my own tomb for you to feel bad about this for the rest of the day. Like, I didn't do that. Like, let it go, you know, I mean, more or less. And it, and he really spoke to my heart in, in, in and through that, like, kind of like, I didn't push through death and the grave and <laughs> I mean, all these things so that you could just like beat yourself, you know, for the rest of the day. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty, like, that's a pretty big price to pay. And for me to, you know, continue to uh, maybe in some ways deny that and kind of think I need to punish myself then is, um, is sort of silly in a way. I mean, you know. Kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> That's part of the prayer when I have people pray. It's like, okay, did Jesus forgive you? He, he said, did he say yeah? Yeah. Okay, so now are you going to agree with him or not? Yeah, yeah. So we put ourselves back in a position. So, see, one of the things I think that's important when we help, uh, when I work through a situation like that, what you had experienced, is to say what you're feeling and what's the thought that's producing that feeling. Mm. Sound like you were getting angry and frustrated back because you thought what? about your daughter or about your son? What was the thought behind that? Um, well, I sort of felt like she was um, dictating our entire lives through her anger, <laughs> which was making me angry. <laughs> but, um, it, and it's funny that I responded in anger because then I'm like, well, 
great. I'm 41 years old and I'm doing the same dang thing. <laughs> I was going to ask you, right. ago, are you, are, is your daughter kind of, is she anything like you in makeup? In some ways. In some ways. Yeah. She's very passionate. Well, one of the things that, that trips us up sometimes, I, I, I operate with a definition of a judgment that, uh, but like this, a judgment is adopting a, a perception of someone without asking Jesus what his perception is of that, that person. Mm. And when we judge, what happens? You, we, we ju right. Judge, you get judged with the same judgment. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's a boomerang until we repent of the judgment and mm -hmm. get, get forgiven for it. Now to replace a judgment, even though it can be true. Yeah. Right. We say, I wonder how Jesus is looking at my daughter right now. Yeah. And it takes work to change your habitual responses. Sure. But if you want to learn to say, okay, instead of me, saying my daughter is a dictator and angry right i mean it sounds kind of bad doesn't it <laughs> but i mean don't we do that with people i do we all do it we all do it jesus how are you thinking about her right now in this moment so i can think like that and respond in a way that you respond through my life in the way that you want to to be yeah. her now thinking about it thinking about it now i'm like I know she was in a significant amount of distress mm -hmm. that it wasn't actually, it felt like her feelings were dictating everything. And I didn't like that, but like, I know that she felt powerless. And so she was, you know, ramping in that yeah. way. And I think if I had acknowledged like, sweetheart, you know, I know you're, you're, very anxious or are having a trouble having trouble with this right now like this is a hard one you know like you right. like more compassionate you know in terms of uh resonating with her feelings i think it yeah. could have de-escalated the whole thing that's the thing is that when you can uh you can i we while we don't walk by our feelings feelings are an important part of how we operate in our life god made us with feelings so we always want to identify with the feelings that are going on and press through to what thought is provoking or pro producing that feeling. Yeah. Because what we're really after in the end is we're not transformed by changing how we feel or changing how we think, but by, uh, I'm sorry, not how we feel or how we behave, but how we think. Yeah. So we're always going after a thought. And does this thought agree with God? Is this a biblical principle? Uh, so, and it, it just takes some, okay, I got to process this just a moment. Sometimes when your kid's right there and it, it, or it seems imminent, it's hard. But you, if, if you learn to operate in this kind of a fashion, say, okay, what's the, what are they feeling? And you can make a stab at, they're feeling this way because they think. Now, her, how old is she? She's three. Three, yeah. She's not going to come back with, well, honey, how are, what, what are you thinking? But you could take a step. Can you tell mommy, uh, you know, are you feeling this? You know, what's going on? What are you, what do you, tell me what happened before and, and kind of help her with that process. Because I think the younger the, our, our children learn to process their feelings in light of their thought processes, 
it will that's what's going to change their behavior. If we just go after punishing behavior, we're going to be at it for a lifetime and never because that's what the father does with us. He didn't go after our behavior. We have some guidelines, but in this process of sanctification, he's going after how we think. He wants us to think like him. And when we think like him, we're going to produce a kingdom emotion. So people don't like it very well when I say to them, they'll come in and they're not feeling good. They're, you know, they're cranky, they're depressed, they're whatever it is. I said, well, you know, you could change that in a moment. No, I can't. I just feel this way. Okay, well, let's try. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're thinking that's producing that feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have to stop and we work it through and come up with a, a well, we'll finally get to what they're thinking. Yeah. Well, does that sound like God, that thought? Let's ask him, Jesus, mm-hmm. I've been thinking this. Does this agree with you? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know it doesn't because it's not producing good results. Yeah. But when you hear, when a person hears from God, then you go, oh, well, I want to think like God. Sure. It's always and better than what I'm thinking. <laughs> it's always better. Yeah. And, then produce, and then you help people go, okay, so if you adopt the thought that God gives you, mm-hmm. it's going to make you feel, when, when you heard that thought, it made you feel what? And then, oh, warm and excited or whatever. Say, how will, if you adopt that thought as a lifestyle, the next time you face this situation that you just described, mm. how will you behave differently? Yeah. And then they have something they can learn. They add speed on it that I can apply this now. It's not just a, some nice theory out there. Sure. Well, isn't it nice? Usually we're supposed to love everyone, right? Right. Well, what's that mean in the middle of someone acting unlovely? Right. Or both people are acting unlovely. Mm-hmm. We have to know what that means in every moment yeah. to think like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And part of that exchange life I was talking about, that's part of that exchange life of learning in the moments when it's distressful and painful, when we just want to come back with a retort and revert to old patterns and go, who do you want to be through me right now for this person? I don't feel like it, but I know this is a way to do is to let you be who you want to be. So who does Jesus want to be for your daughter through you as a parent right now? Yeah. I mean, those are, those are some, I think, tools that help us live differently than we used to. We didn't know this was going to be a a pastoral (laughs) session for Naomi. (laughs) (laughs) What is anything to embarrass you? No, it's great. (laughs) You can cut it out. (laughs) Awesome. I'm, I'm, getting a lot out of this, this is well awesome. we all learn from from uh, other people's experiences right yeah. yeah that's why we have a culture at, at heartland of of we're very vulnerable to inappropriate arenas but sure. ron has always been very and me too from the pulpit of, of sharing stories of not only the, the mountaintops but the, the valleys and yeah. here's what we're going through and here's how god is helping us yeah and um it's just part of, it's how we live life together. It can't be a false front and expect people to buy it. And that's what people are tired of. They want something real. People are so tired of that. Oh, they are. They, and yeah. I have a really funny story. I, I was really, um, I don't know why I could think about it, what the belief was, but I was just really crabby. Um, like, I, well, I felt imposed upon by our neighbors because 
when our neighbors come over, then I have to watch them too. And so um, it's either I choose to watch them or I have to watch them, but one way or the other, you know? <laughs> and so, um, so they were over and I was just crabby about it. And I was kind of like barking, you know, I was just barking at them all. And I, I stomped in my, in my house to try to get my Bible to try to do something, you know, to help myself. <laughs> and it was just so funny because, um, it was, that wasn't working because there was constant activity <laughs> and everything. And, um, and I, I ended up actually apologizing to the neighbors, to these little boys who, I don't know that adults apologize to them much, you know, yeah. and it makes me want to cry a little bit because I was like, guys, I'm just so sorry. I'm just so crabby right now. And I don't know why, I don't know why I'm not sure why, but I'm so crabby and, and, and it's not your fault. Like, it's really not your fault. You guys haven't done anything wrong. And it was so amazing, Carolyn, because from that place of being real with them, the Holy Spirit started to just flow. And like, we had so many great conversations after that with the neighbors. Like, so they go, do you really love God? You really love God. So would you give Judah all the candy in the world if he told you to give him and I'm like well I would probably ask a few times you know like to confirm or something but it was so sweet and it was so they became so vulnerable and soft yeah because I had just humbled myself you know it was so good it was such a good learning lesson for me of just but but like that whole thing what you're saying about kind of having to be a know-it-all or an expert or have it all together and it, all that stuff is just people are so tired of it you know I mean it's such a turn off these days <laughs> well truth be known nobody knows it all right it's such a front because we don't I just I you know I walk in the ministry room I say you know what we're on the same ground here yeah. uh Jesus is I believe Jesus is going to help us because we're asking him to yeah. And uh, I said, I'm learning too. And sometimes in the middle of all, I'll have to stop and say, you know, this is a, a problem for me or an area, whatever, a struggle I had this week or one time. He said, you think things like that? Like, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. I'm writing a book right now on um, asking questions, learning how to ask better questions to discover God's way. And uh, someone sent me a mem that said it was kind of funny it just struck me but it was designed to ask someone a question or to open them up to share about themselves and uh so it, it was just this is like it's one of those uh doug savage cartoon memes okay and it says and don't take this in an offensive way because in some religious cultures they wouldn't like this but he said what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> and it hit me so funny I laughed and laughed and laughed because I think so many times we want to say things like that to people <laughs> you know that it just just to shatter the box and make people stop and think just a little bit but the, to me what the point was it was like there are some things that run through our heads when we're working with people that that we don't say but we are on this journey of learning how to point them to Jesus and always ask them questions that will lead to discovery versus we talked about this a lot versus condemnation sure and we we do that as why am i such a bad mom why am i such a bad uh whatever it is and or lord this one didn't go too well this day what do you think 
about this situation? Yeah. What are you thinking about this person? What are you thinking about me right now? I kind of need to hear your words about me. Yeah. And that puts you on a whole different path. Totally. Then what's wrong with me or what's wrong with them? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because when you say like, what the hell's wrong with me? Like I responded that way. Then all of a sudden you're assuming all these things. You're, you're making all these assumptions, baseline assumptions about yourself that God isn't making. Right. So you're kind of not like really agreeing. You're not open even to really agreeing with him. Exactly. It's like, okay, Lord, I missed that one. Help me, you know, just show me what, you know, give me wisdom or whatever it is. So if you follow that thought is okay. So when you take that negative viewpoint there, yeah. What does that do to your emotions? Oh, it's horrible. Downward spiral. And then what does it do to your behavior? I mean, it's just, it's, it continues. It's just funky and, you know, reclusive and, then it, and all it that. It starts a loop. And then maybe yeah. Austin comes home and there you go. Another one. And it's like, it just, it just, I mean, I, like I can't do anything right. What's wrong with me? And there's something. Really exactly. Wrong. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we talk ourselves into that. And that's not Jesus at all. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway. Okay. Well, we have change your life. Now I'm working on change your questions, change your life. It's so. good. I think that's really good. Yeah. It's a different posture. Um, so um, let's talk a little bit about motherhood in the, in the throes of motherhood. Tell me what you learned about relating to God um, about about turning situations like what what we're talking about you know i mean it's it's relentless right like it, it never lets up <laughs> and yeah. so it's not like oh i can just <laughs> go away on a nice retreat and figure out what i think <laughs> so yeah. what did you learn um i'm not sure i learned it in that stage um there's a lot of things that i you know, if there is something you say about gray hairs. <laughs> There's things you, you you recognize and learn along the way. But what I would say that I wish I had known when my kids were little was uh, this difference between posing and thinking about myself in a negative light, uh, learning who, what Jesus thinks is, is, is true of me. And you go to the word for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and having dialogue. Um, this identity question that we talked about earlier is an important one, but it's never going to be contrary to something he says is true about us as believers, as saints in the word. And there is list after list after list of things that he says is true about us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll not get them all and mine them all until we get to heaven. I'm sure. Sure. Uh, so I wish that I had had someone mentor in me in my life that even in those distressful times and hard times as a young mom, it's possible on the go. Right. With because you're the only one that 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 is in charge and chooses what you think. Sure. So when you're changing diapers or you're cleaning up the spit up for the umpteenth time or the changing clothes because they got what up dirty in the mud puddle or whatever it is, or dealing with the behavior that's out of sync. And it's just never ending. And, you know, you just get to sleep and you hear the cry. All of those things 
if an immediate response can become in us, Jesus, I'm, and be honest with him, because he knows anyway, I'm so tired right now. What are you thinking about my situation right now? Mm-hmm. How do you want me to think about this? Mm-hmm. It, that would have revolutionized, I mean, it's revolutionized my, my life now. And I know it would have if I could have had that help when I was a young mom. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? How can I think differently about this in order to help me? Because I know this is, I, I'm, a, I'm a mom. I can't change that. You right. know, uh, I'm not going to give them up or something. Right, right. So, and, um, I won't say what I was saying. But anyway. <laughs> uh, th- those kinds of things can be life changing. And they do take some discipline. Yeah. And it, because, you know, you, when you think about a habit, a habit is something that you just do. It's become a part of your nature. Yeah. Well, the old man has a lot of old habits. Sure. So when we become a new creation in Christ, we're on this road of working to change how we think about almost everything. Yeah. And so we've got to learn how to ask good questions better questions the best questions that's going to lead us on that path of discovery that happens with the holy spirit yeah and part of that like i say we don't have time to sit and read chapter after chapter most of the time as young moms but there are snippets that we get can get we can listen to podcasts like you're doing um we can choose what we're going to listen to i remember one time when my uh, daughter my oldest uh, i was home quite a bit uh, by myself, we just moved to a country church. Ron was driving to seminary an hour away, or four, a half hour, whatever it was. And uh, I was lonely. I didn't know anybody. I was I was a nineteen year old kid. I wasn't even twenty yet, right? What am I going to do? I was shy, um, hard to make friends for me. And uh, we had happened to have a TV that you had to hit once on the top and twice on the side to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, I started watching soap operas, something right. to do, right? right? Well, pretty soon, it wasn't long before I started realizing I was responding to Ron and, and I, would, I was picking up and, on the emotions that were displayed mm-hmm. and their mindsets. And I'm like, I don't want to be like this. Mm-hmm. So I had to discipline myself to not turn on the TV and watch those soap operas because the result was not good. That's good. So if, if we, here's a question I ask sometimes. If I have chosen to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, why do I want to be a Christian if I don't want to be like Jesus? Mm-hmm. And to be like Jesus means all of the character qualities that you find in the word. And the fruit that I'm going to have are going to be the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So I've honed in on the fruit of the spirit. Uh, in my life and working with other people's who do you want to be for me which fruit right now that helps me discipline now that doesn't mean there aren't more there's more to Jesus than just the fruit of the spirit but I'm telling you what if you capture those you're going to get pretty much oh yeah those things you're doing pretty good (laughs) so I tie I've tied my emotional health to uh, allowing God to grow the fruit of the spirit and as I said, it's it's kind of come in this my journey and a realization has come for a realization of what it means to live in Christ and let him be who he wants to be through me in that moment. And that and that comes by changing how I think. Sure. It changes how I feel, that then changes how I behave. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the kind of thing I wish I had known. And it's just a, a subtle change right. uh, for a young mom or anyone that's just a, in a stressful season of life, rather than why am I in this? I hate this. This is going to last forever. Well, that's going to keep you in a, in a bad place emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, unless you're just really strong at making yourself do something you don't want to do of poor behavior, mm-hmm. that's not Christ-like. So if we can learn to say, is there a different way for me to look at this? Jesus, how are you looking at this right now? Because he's available. I'm not having to go up to heaven or across the sea to find him. Yeah, He's inside. He indwells us. And that was another key for me of realizing, you know what, he's not just someone I just pray to when I need something. It's it's a 24 seven dialogue going on and he's available and he does really want to live his life through me. I just got to learn how to let him. Yeah. Mm. So that's kind of a mouthful for what you asked, but that's what I wish I had known when I was a young mom uh, that could have changed a lot of those frustrating years and Ron was on the road a lot at, at that season when our, our kids were little, were babies and traveling. And so it was like, I really was at home yeah. by myself with those kids. And, you know, if you think resentment doesn't come into that and anger, not, and this was before I realized where all the anger was coming from mm-hmm. that season of my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yeah. I think the other thing I wish I had known at that stage was it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's okay to let people know you're not having a good day because I, I was um, conditioned uh, by the religious culture that I was raised in to you hide those kinds of feelings. Mm-hmm. You only show what's good, you know, what's presentable. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's hypocrisy. It is. Right. <laughs> and it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It just makes you sick. Yeah. It makes me think of a few a few things, at least for me, that have been helpful, which is like finding one verse, you know, like you don't have to know all the everything, you know, but you can know like if if rejection is something that just like really hits hard for whatever reason or is coming up, then it's like no. I can think a different thought right now. And the thought that I can think is I am accepted in the beloved and loved with an everlasting love. And I'm just going to hold on for dear life to that verse, you know, and I might even have to say it out loud in the car. a few Absolutely. Times. Yeah. But like, see, I mean, I feel like your kids seeing you fight for standing on truth is actually really beautiful because then they learn they're like, Oh, you know, this isn't just like mom, it's so easy for mom all the time, you know, like, you know, and, and the other thought was uh, kind of along the same lines. I mean, like self-pity used to just like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I had to realize that it's actually the self-pity is my enemy. It's not like the circumstances that I think are causing, you know, me to feel sorry for myself. It's the self-pity itself. And so like, how can I, it's that quick, like, God, I'm feeling self-pity right now. Really help me, right? You know, just help. (laughs) And and also just like, okay, um, how can I turn this? And for me, gratitude was really, was really helpful. 
yeah. with turning the self pity because then it was just like I started it it, it 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 changed the momentum of my emotions and thoughts and then all of a sudden it was like God you're so good you know absolutely <laughs> looked like more or less bipolar but you know I mean whatever it was just it was like uh it was so essential for me to fight those battles in order to like set the atmosphere in my home like in a peaceful and joyful way yeah so yeah that's good yeah I call those verses what you you just uh, mentioned that you go to it's just in you uh those are life verses. I call them a life verse. Yeah. Uh, I have several. Uh, one of them, uh, I reminded when my husband was just in the ER a couple of weeks ago and with his heart and uh, my daughter-in-law called and we were talking about, it. she's like, oh, this is so scary. And, you know, and I'm like, yes, it, it's got us alert right now. But I said, the Lord's reminding me because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And that's Psalm 16:8. And that's been a verse of mine for probably 25 years. So many situations I've found myself in that that comes up. Carolyn, pay attention. And I reach down with my right hand and I go, oh, you're right here. And I grab a hold in my mind. I grab a hold of his hand because he says he's right here at my right hand. And I take a moment to feel his presence and know if he's right here, I'm not going to be shaken. That's good. There's a lot of stuff. So those life verses, you capture them in the times when things are okay and you habituate yourself in them many times a day, put it on your refrigerator till it's just born into you. And that's what comes out then when the, in your distressful times. Yeah. So those life verses are, are crucial and ways to think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that those are things that moms can do absolutely because it's just a few words like you're at my right hand i i will not be shaken like that's just a few words that i can like meditate on and chew on and get inside of me you know just intentionally right and you can choose in a moment of frustration to to have your mind go there rather than feeling sorry for yourself like you were talking about self-pity yeah it's good yeah well, how would you want to encourage uh, young moms just in general as we wrap up? I think one thing that, that traps us up is whatever season we're in, we, we tend to think it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And I can say now that it was just our, our youngest turns 50 wow. at the beginning of this next year. And uh, I'm thinking, how did we get? Here. I mean, it, this is just unreal. Yeah. Uh, they were just babies yeah. yesterday. Huh. Uh, it and, and I know when we get tired of hearing it because I it was said to me, this doesn't last forever. Enjoy. Well, yeah, but you're not here right now with all the you know you know. Uh, but it really is a season, and I think the uh, the key is just to. Uh, allow the perspective of God for the season that you're in to make a choice. This is where I am. And I'm going to let Jesus be who he wants to be through me. And, and we're going to always remember, no matter what you're saying and doing, you're creating a memory, mm-hmm. not only for yourself, but for your family. That's scary. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? Because, yeah, because yeah, I sit across from people now who have memories 
from situations that were not lovely and helpful. And it's amazing how in this, even in the same families, the same incident will create a different memory for a, the different children and adults just because of perception. Mm -hmm. So now it's not to make us paranoid, especially as parents, yeah. but I think we can set out okay, I wonder what memories I'm going to create today. Yeah. What can we, and, and ask, so what memory can we create with your help today? Mm -hmm. You may have play dates or you may have just things, chores that you just need to do. Well, as you're going about things that may be stressful, maybe you don't like to take them to the grocery store or whatever. As we go, Lord, how will you be you through me to help this be a pleasant memory? Yeah. And it, it don't all turn out right, but it can change how you think about the whole episode to begin with. If you start out thinking this is going to be a disaster, then the chances are that that's going to be a disaster is it'll be a disaster. Sure, sure. And to not, like you were saying earlier in your scenario that played out, that you can't give kids what they want all the time just to keep them happy. Right. I mean, so you've got to figure out that that pattern. Where are the boundaries? What are my appropriate responses as a parent yeah. that may not be popular with the kid or with other people around me? <laughs> but um, just learn to, to watch a perspective, I would say, to encourage the moms and, and learn to be who you are. Yeah. What, what, what's your passion? You say, well, I don't have, I don't have a choice right now. Well, you really do. Mm -hmm. You can be who God's created you to be while you're being a mom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but don't lose who you are either as a, a mom or a wife. Mm -hmm. uh, learn how to be you in the midst of this. And that's not saying be selfish about time or responsibilities. It's, it's saying, as I'm doing the responsibilities that are mine to do right now, who do you want to be for me to help me so I can be the best? Yeah. Have play dates with, with other moms, you know, to where you take turns and let each other off the hook for a little while. Um, you can do it with your spouses. Uh, talk to find some older women to talk to, yeah. invite them into your life, uh, ask them the hard questions, <laughs> you know, and don't be afraid of. Uh, revealing some ugly part of yourself because we we all have an ugly part right and i think that for me that would have been a, to reveal that at that stage when i was a young mom it was just a no-no mm -hmm. but I, I would encourage you know, and don't go to your girlfriends with stuff that you first need to go to jesus with yeah it's it, it, sometimes we go to our friends because we think they're going to agree with us you know well you have it you know and we get off on a roll and it's not helpful and we're still ending up in a place of condemnation mm -hmm. and negativity. So be careful in your conversations with your girlfriends. They can be healthy conversations. Sure. Just don't let them be ones that are, are um, personality bashing and, and putting you, when you leave the conversation, have you been drawn closer to Jesus? Mm -hmm. More full of the word, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. more like the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Or am I leaving feeling you know, puffed up about myself or condemning myself, shaming myself, feeling guilty for what I just said, whatever. Um, but find those relationships where it's really like iron sharpening iron. Yeah. Not that we're, I don't mean being each other's truant officer. I mean, 
encouraging and pointing one another to Christ. Yeah. Well, what would Jesus be saying right now about this? Mm-hmm. And sometimes our response, if we're honest, would say, well, I really don't care because I just want to be this way and I'm just going to get this off my chest. Well, I'll tell you what, sometimes we need a place and sometimes that's not with a girlfriend. Sometimes that's more with a spiritual counselor, advisor, mentor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the first place that we need to go with that stuff is Jesus. Yeah. We can always be totally honest with Jesus and it's not going to re- be repeated to anybody. True. And he will speak truth to us. Yes. So. Good. Will you pray? Will you pray for us? Yeah. Yeah. As we, as close. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives, Lord, when we've said yes to you. I thank you that you haven't left us without help, that you're here 24-7. I thank you that when we cry out, you hear the cries of our heart and you speak truth to us. We thank you for the word that you have given us, the written word, that we can glean the principles and the truth for uh, setting us free on a day-to-day basis. I thank you that you are always very practical. You tell us the things we need in order to... uh, allow life to happen in our relationships with our spouses, with our uh, children, with our friends. And I ask, Father, that as we are on this journey of transformation, of being made into the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ, that you are there with the presence of the Spirit, guiding and directing and correcting every moment. I pray for the young moms, Lord, that are in a season that is so crucial, not only for themselves, but for the little ones that they're raising, that they're mentoring and nurturing them uh, to grow up to be like you. And I pray that you would put tools in their hands that will help them grow an army that will advance the kingdom of God in this day and age where the world's gone crazy. But Jesus, we know you haven't. Mm-hmm. So we just depend on you. We depend on you to teach us how to think so we can have kingdom emotions and kingdom behavior. Pray that you would bless Naomi as she does this podcast and the people that she has on, that truth would go out, and encouragement and hope. Father, I thank you that you are the one who came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. And I pray if anyone's listening today that feels trapped, has a broken heart, feels like they're in a prison with no way out, that there would come a revelation of who you are, your presence for them, even right now as we speak these words, that you will be who you are. That's why you came, to heal the brokenhearted, to set that prisoner free. We love you so much, Jesus. And we thank you for your presence in our lives. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Carolyn. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. So appreciate you. Thank you. We need to catch up with... Thank you so much for joining us today. Please check out our website at homeinspired.org for more resources. And if you want to connect with me in person, email me at naomi at homeinspired.org. Thanks again.